you know, it's news and it's nothing really new. So, so there you go. So nothing to get all worked up about, um, have some peace of mind. If particularly if you're 55 plus, if you are below that, you know, maybe you are a little bit, maybe factor in a reduction. Um, and if you are Walter's age, yeah, maybe it'll buy you a six pack when you get into retirement. Welcome to retire smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world. It's time to retire smarter. Well, hey there, and welcome to Retire Smarter. Walter Storholt here with you today alongside Kevin Krosky, President and Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you in Northeast Ohio, Southwest Florida, and in the greater Pittsburgh area. You can find us online at truewealthdesign.com and click the Are We Right For You button to schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced financial advisor on the True Wealth team. Always great to have Kevin with us to discuss important financial topics and ideas. And Kevin, great to be with you this week. How you been? Walter, uh, it's always my pleasure. Um, I've been good, a little bit under the weather today. The, uh, the girls in my family, my two daughters and my wife were both uh, sick, and I was the last man standing, but it looks like I'm falling down a bit too, so uh, you'll have to pick me up today, buddy. You held out as long as you could, but uh, whenever the family gets something, it, it ends up making it cycle through everybody at some point, right? Yeah, for the most part. I try to do this Jedi mind trick and say that my body won't be a host to this, and I repeat it five times, and <laughs> it failed miserably, so. Do you, uh, do you try and like load up on a bunch of vitamin C or what was it, airborne or whatever that kind of stuff is to try and just stave it off one last chance? Uh, you know, I don't do, uh, to my knowledge, um, and just relied on uh, some of the physicians that we serve as clients. There's no um, no real evidence that that airborne works. Uh -huh. Again, I haven't done the research from just trusting people that I trust. And uh, so I don't do that. Um, I drink a little bit of juice every morning anyway. It's kind of my my uh, first thing I do when I get up. So, But nothing special. I just try to drink some fluids and uh, fingers crossed, repeat my chant and, and walk on <laughs> my merry way. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So there you go. You're, you're, you're a big believer in science, I know. And, uh, and, and so you, you ignore the airborne, but you'll say the chant and the Jedi mind trick. And <laughs> right. Well, positive. <laughs> hey, there's proof in positive thinking. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. We all, we all have a little something that we'll give into there. Right. To try. Oh, to for sure. For sure. Good stuff. Well, uh, today's podcast and the one that we release later in the month might have the little bit under the weather Kevin recording on them, but uh, I know that you will power through and deliver us some good information. And uh, on today's show, we're talking about Social Security and kind of an update in that realm. What's on the docket today, Kevin? Yeah, sure. So we had uh, some news came out recently, uh, the annual Social Security Trustees Report. So and it you know kind of always makes its headlines. If I go back and look at the stuff that I've written or talked about over you know maybe the last 10, 12 years, Social Security is usually one of the most uh, popular topics. So uh, it makes sense to give an update on that. Um, also, we're getting close to getting the final cost of living adjustment booked for next year for 2022. So uh, we have some pretty good data about what that's going to be. And then uh, when you're talking about this stuff, you know, you just don't want to talk about the stuff, but you want to talk about why it matters and what to do with it. So we'll certainly dip into some planning strategies and how to think through this as well. 
I know that's uh, probably even more than previous years. Social Security and especially that cost of living adjustment will be an even bigger topic. I'm sure this is something you're going to get into in more detail over the next couple of minutes. But I know with all the worries about inflation and things costing more, there might be some people out there who indeed are <laughs> certainly hoping for a nice bump in Social Security payments uh, come you know a couple of months from now. Absolutely. Um, I tell you, we'll, uh, we'll hold that topic for, uh, let's get through the trustees report. It's a little bit more boring. It's just more about the solvency and, hey, can we rely on it? And I'll even comment on some of the potential fixes. But uh, then we'll get into the COLA in this, and that'll lead us directly into planning implications. So I know you we've know, the, all read the Social Security trustees yes, report, sure so this will be have. repetition for a lot of our listeners, I'm <laughs> right, sure, yeah. but I'm I glad that you'll take us through it with your expert, uh, you know, your expert eye, Kevin. I'll just extract the key information <laughs> as a re- brief reminder. Yes, Perfect. that's exactly right. Uh, so, you know, this trustee report comes out, and if anybody's ever read their Social Security statement, you'll see on there that there's basically a disclaimer saying, hey, laws have changed in the past, and they're going to change again. They can change again in the future. Congress can do that. And, uh, and it's, so it's like this big saying, here's what you're promised to pay right now, uh, promised to receive. And, uh, then there's the disclaimer that's there. So the reason that that's on there is most people know the Social Security Trust Fund is scheduled to be depleted. Uh, just, you know, a few years down the road, it's actually 2033 is the new year. Um, it was moved up one year from last year uh, due to COVID. You know, fewer people working and paying in for payroll taxes. So there's a little bit of stress put on the system. And so this uh, solvency was was moved up one additional year to 2033. Um, that doesn't mean that it's going to go broke. Um, insolvent in, in these terms anyway means that with the payroll taxes that would be collected, um, they would have enough to pay out about 78% of the benefits, so 22% reduction there. So that's at least where it stands today. And I think the really important thing to remember about this, and I've, I've talked about this before, uh, I think it was maybe episode 22, um, I think we commented on the 2019 trustees report, and the solvency, it, it bumps around you know, a year or two, um, certainly it's gotten a little worse with COVID, as I mentioned. But um, just to put this in context, good old Uncle Alan Greenspan, who I'm sure everybody recalls, when they made some changes back when Reagan was in office in the early 80s, 1982, 1983, the fix that they did back then said would be um, would fix the system for about 50 years and make it solvent. So, Walter, quick math here, buddy. 1983 plus 50 equals what? Uh, 2033. And what year did I say that the trust fund is scheduled to be depleted? Uh, was that right around 2033, right? 2033. So <laughs> there it. you go. So for all the, um, the lack of faith and trust that we have in our government institutions and other institutions these days, you can always trust Uncle Al. So Uncle Al is right on the dot. Oh, wow. Which, That's I mean, pretty I just, impressive. Yeah. I think it's incredibly impressive. And um, so you'll see a lot of these media headlines, you know, it's, you know, clickbait, whatever you want to call it, like, oh, Social Security Trust Fund, you know, it's going to be depleted. It's going to be this. It's, you know, it's got worse because of COVID. We know this, people. It's uh, <laughs> it's there. It's it's really getting Congress to do something about it. And, um, you know, we'll kind of talk about this in the next uh, episode, too, when we go over the Biden tax plan. But some of the Social Security fixes that were hypothecated by him previously did not end up in the most recent plan that came out of uh, the House Ways and Means Committee. So um, so there you have it. In short, again, it, it's on track. You know, we know that we're going to have to make some changes. If you are of retirement age or darn close to it or, or really over age of 50 or so at this point, 
what you have on your statement, I think, is pretty reliable. If you want to be conservative and maybe um, you know factor in some sort of reduction just in case, that's not imprudent. Um, the younger you are, the more at risk your benefit is, I would say, based on past history and how these changes are phased in over time. But if you're you know if you're listening and you're 55, you're 60 years old, or you're currently receiving benefits, candidly, I, I think you have very very little risk and probably not worth thinking about. So so that's the good news there. Um, if we cross over into some of the solvency fixes. You know, I had mentioned this a few years ago when we had tax reform in 2017. Uh, one of the things that got into the tax code was this concept of chained CPI. All right, Walt, what is oh, chained no. CPI? Chained CPI? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're going to have to fill me on that one. Okay, th- th- this is good. Um, it's it's actually good that you didn't know that because you're kind of proving my point. You didn't Cost even know price it. index or something like that. Or um, so chain CPI. Um, so CPI. Everybody's heard of the consumer price index or CPI. There's all kinds of different ways to measure it. There's all kinds of you know the one that's most commonly cited. I would say is like CPIW, and it looks at the prices for um, or for people in an urban setting. It doesn't factor in any sort of substitution effects, which we probably all have done that over the last year or so. You know, you go to the market, I remember beef was costing quite a bit. And so, you know, fish was much less so, chicken was less so. So people were substituting their beef consumption for chicken and poultry. Oops, chicken. <laughs> I just said the same thing there, didn't I, Walter? <laughs> At least I caught myself. Um, but that chain CPI factors in substitution effects that people make, you know, day to day, you know, normal decisions like that. So the chain CPI made it into the tax code in uh, 2017, and I think it was really the the ground was laid then legally for it to go ahead and be pushed further into the tax code. And from a social security solvency fix standpoint, if the CPI measurement is just changed from what it's currently CPIW um, to this chain CPI, that would fill about 20% of the gap. And nobody knows what the heck this is unless you listen to what I just said. And, and Walter, you listened to it before. And granted, it was two years ago, but even you, the great Walter, didn't recall it. And it's this funny little math thing that is a nice slide in the back door. It's already in the tax code. And I would be willing to pretty much bet the farm that whenever the fix comes around for Social Security, that chain CPI is going to make it in there because nobody's going to understand it. It's going to be something that's going to be easy to kind of slide in. And it's... It's math, and you know we don't. We should have our messy math um, section going here today, but um, but I don't. But that's that's going to be one of the things that I would bet is going to end up into fixing Social Security whenever the time comes. You just don't know how bad my memory is to, for stuff. You know, good short term memory, very bad long term. Actually, good long term memory, very bad mid term memory. So 2019, yeah, that's. Pre-COVID, especially, we, Pre- we've, forgotten, yeah. we've, we've forgotten all about that. Right. PC, yeah. PC, PC, has P- a- BC before COVID, <laughs> new BC now. Yes. Yeah, we'll get rid of politically correct and just call it pre-COVID. There so. you go. There you go. Um, so we'll see. I mean, eventually some changes have to be made. Um, you know, it's probably going to be last minute the way the Congress acts. You know, this gap is probably going to get a little bit larger over time. But you, know, you get more retirees, people living longer. You know, fewer people coming into the workforce to support them. I don't say fewer. Some of the, the, uh, you know, I'm Gen Xer. You're a millennial. There's more people, uh, more millennials than there are Gen Xers. And there's, um, I think, more Gen Zers, too. Uh, so you, you still have people, but people are living a lot longer. And obviously, you have this people are receiving benefits longer. 
uh, not as many people supporting uh, the number of, of retirees that are receiving these benefits, uh, or at least I won't say the number, but the more the ratio, the people that are retired to the people still working and paying in is not what it once was. That's probably a better way to frame it. And uh, we're going to have to make some changes. So we'll see what the changes are. I'm not going to speculate on all the other changes. Um, the one fix that was made by Biden was that the payroll taxes were going to start being paid for people over $400,000 of earned income. And that did not end up into the tax plan, or the tax proposal, I should say, but, uh, but we'll see. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the trustees report in a nutshell. Um, you know, it's, it's news and it's nothing really new. So, so there you go. So nothing to get all worked up about, um, have some peace of mind. If particularly if you're 55 plus, if you are below that, you know, maybe you are a little bit, maybe factor in a reduction. Um, and if you are Walter's age, yeah, maybe it'll buy you a six pack when you get into retirement, but, Ooh, but yeah. there, sorry, buddy. Um, it'll do more than that. Walter, hey, one, but one six packs better than uh, no six packs. I guess that's right? hey, there's that optimist. I like mm-hmm. and enjoy so much. Yeah. Uh, so that's the trustees report, but back to probably the, the, the content that, um, more people are interested about is that cost of living adjustment. So this cost of living adjustment or COLA for short, um, it's measured uh, basically at the end of the third quarter. So we're recording this just a couple of days after the close of the third quarter. The official CPI numbers will be released uh, probably about 10 days or so. So we don't have final data just yet. But if you just look at where uh, things are ending up and you look at, say, um, you know, fourth quarter of 2020, to say August, which we have data for, we're looking at about a 6% increase to Social Security benefits. Um, I mean, you'll have all kinds of things that are tied to this. You know, our tax brackets will inflate and increase, you know, at this rate. Um, If you're in retirement and on Medicare, the Medicare income related adjustments, um, at least some of them, uh, will be increasing at this rate. So, This coal is kind of a big deal and it doesn't affect just Social Security, but many, many other things uh, in our tax code and our benefits. So we're looking at about a 6% change, which is quite high. Um, Probably, you know, I didn't look this up, but I'm speculating that's probably the highest since, oh, certainly like the early 90s or so, I would guess. Um, It's been quite a time that we've had, you know, low inflation and low interest rates. So we've talked a lot about inflation um, over the last several months. It's been one of the main stories in the media. You know, you're seeing it show up in different prices. But even as we sit here today in early October, even though we're having it, um, I'm still personally of the mindset that it is more in that that quote unquote transitory camp. So as things do get back to normal, um, so we have PC, maybe PC one and PC two. We need like pre-COVID and then post-COVID. Um, but when we get back to post-COVID normality, supply chains are working. Ships are able to come into docks and get things unloaded. Prices are more normalized. People are back to work and not being subsidized to stay home. So on and so forth. Then I, I really think it's just going to temper out and be more in line with what it's been. You know, really over the last you know few decades. Um, we've talked about that in a prior episode. I won't go into the details. Uh, here, but I gave some reasons why that's likely to be the case. So we're looking at about 6% increase year over year, Walter. That sounds significant to me. I mean, that sounds like a decent a decent bump, right? If you told me I was getting a 6% raise, I'd be like, all right, sweet. That that sounds pretty good. Sure. We have, we have some clients that are getting, um, I'm just trying to think here, probably around maybe 70 grand in social security benefits on the high side. 
um, a lot in the fifties, maybe sixty thousand dollars. So, you know, if you're looking at seventy thousand dollars at six percent, that's more than that's like you know. 350 bucks a month more that you're going to be getting on a gross basis. Now, the thing that we didn't mention is if you're on Medicare, which the majority of Social Security recipients are, um, because on, on balance, the average age is more than 65, um, but the Medicare premiums are also going to be going up. So those haven't been uh, announced just yet, but, uh, but that's going to eat up some of that. But that's part of the reason why these two work together. You know, you have the coal at an offset, the cost of living adjustments that we have and are experiencing. So 6% is nothing to sneeze at. I think it's it'll be welcomed by most people. It'll be great from you know, a benefit standpoint. We'll be able to put more money into our 401ks, probably our IRAs too next year, HSA accounts. Um, again, it'll help with uh, that IRMA and, and avoid some of that and, and maybe do some additional tax planning. But I think all good stuff all the way around as far as the COLA goes. So to transition a little bit into planning implications, so in this, some of this is a little bit more of a recap. I wouldn't say necessarily that just because you have a 6% COLA or just because the trustees report comes out and says, hey, solvency is one year less than the year before, that we really need to think incredibly different. Um, so think of this as a bit of a recap on some, I think, key and often underappreciated or often un overlooked aspects of Social Security planning. Um, in preparation for this, I actually listened to a couple other um, podcasts that are somewhat similar to this. And um, in Canada, I didn't, I didn't hear this stuff in, in either one of them. And these are guys that started many years before me and have a pretty big listenership. So I, I think I can add something to uh, the collective content that's out there in podcast land. Um, but there's a few different problems with uh, Social Security that actually create opportunities. So if, if we think about this, and if you think back to your Social Security benefit statement, and you'll see on there, it says, hey, here's your benefit at 62. Here's your benefit at your full retirement age, maybe as late as age 67. And then here's your age 70 benefit. So under the Social Security's assumptions, all of those are supposed to be what they call actuarially equivalent, meaning that it doesn't really matter economically or financially which one you pick because they're all assumed to be the same as long as you live to life expectancy. Well, here's the problem uh, and the opportunity. So when you think about life expectancy, when the Social Security looks at it, they're looking at the U.S. as a whole. However, if you know all the people that are listening to this are clients, people with means tend to live longer than people that are less than average in terms of wealth and income. So you're able to better you know, buy food, healthier food, get better medical care. It's uh, there's a several year gap between the haves and the haves nots when it comes to life expectancy. Not making any statement on that, just observing a fact. So wealthier people that delay Social Security, um, well, that I won't even say that just yet. Uh, wealthier people in general can extract more from Social Security because they're more likely to live longer and continue to receive those benefits. So if I go back to that Social Security statement and you're looking at age 62, your full retirement age or age 70, you know, you, you see that increasing up through those later ages. And there's a benefit for delaying. And if you're wealthier and healthier, then on average, it's going to push you more towards delaying because you're going to be able to live longer and receive those benefits longer and benefit from that deferral decision. So life. So the first problem is the life expectancy is just for the average American. Average American family is making about $60,000 a year. If you're above that, 
then you're above average. And on average, somebody in that above average group is going to live longer than average. There's a lot of averages, Walter, but it you is. get me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you average them all together, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that makes sense, though. I never really thought about that. You're you're able to drill in a little bit more on the data and then thus get a better prediction. And this problem that affects sort of even that average of the whole population actually gets worse as we use, I guess, technically more accurate data, or at least if the input is more accurate, the problem actually compounds a little bit. It is case. more accurate. data. As a matter of fact, I will enjoin this to something that we just talked about, I think, in the last episode when we talked about populations and people making bad comparisons um, from certain population da data or sample size data. So uh, in here, you know, really the Social Security Administration is using the U.S. population as a whole, whereas we are really concerned about the life expectancy statistics for us individually. But candidly, we don't know that. So we look more towards, you know, a group of people that are like us that are higher than income average earners um, that are getting better, you know, health and, and better food and things like that that are highly correlated to living longer. So we're really more concerned about a population, a sample size population that is more like us and not the U.S. as a whole. And so if you do that, then Social Security deferral starts making even more sense. Of course, you have to be pragmatic. I mean, if somebody's had a major health issue or something of the sort, then, you know, throw out the averages and just look at what information we have. But in absence of that, you know, playing probabilities is the best information that we have. So it definitely makes sense to think a little bit differently. And if you're above average, which I haven't met anybody or talked to anybody yet that listens to this podcast that um, is below average in terms of kind of, you know, where the average American you know, family is, um, just is what it is. So you need to think a little bit differently in that regard. The second problem is uh, it ignores survivor benefits. So, you know, if you're looking at that, again, that actuarial equivalency, 62 for retirement age, age 70, they're all supposed to be the same economically. Well, not exactly. If you're married, the higher the two benefits pays out as long as either one lives. So a uh, kind of a base case oftentimes for a healthy married couple is defer the larger the two benefits um, to as late as age 70, uh, which is when it stops increasing. And because not only does that make sense based on the first premise I stated about, hey, you know, you're above average for wealth, um, you're likely to be above average for health and life expectancy. But also now that you layer in the second one, that sort of actuarial equivalency completely ignores the survivor benefit aspect of it. So, so that's two. And then thirdly, and then finally, um, and this is just the beauty of government, um, but the Social Security, you know, I mentioned Uncle Al earlier. Well, guess what? Um, they're still, the Social Security system is still using uh, interest rate assumptions from 1983. Interest rates were quite, quite different back then versus today. And uh, this gets a little wonky. Basically, the real interest rate assumption that they used was uh, about 3%, just a smidge less than 3%. Let's just call it 3%. And I said real interest rate. And in effect, that is, you know, your your yield after inflation. So let's just say that for 2021, say you could go out and this is pretty much true. You buy a bond today, uh, a 10-year U.S. Treasury bond for about 1.5%, hold it for the year, you get 1.5%. Well, inflation, as we've talked about, is higher than that. So maybe it ends up at 4% for the year. So if we're at 4%, but we own that 1.5% 10-year government bond for the year, Walter, what did we get end up net after inflation. 
Oh, you threw out too many numbers. We lost two and a half percent. So okay. if I just take one point five minus four, oh, we're, we're in we're in the negatives. We're negative. So yeah, that's not good on a real return basis. That's all. That's half, all I need to know is we're negative. That's <laughs> we're negative. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's bad actually, but it's it's simple to know that it's good. Um, so you're losing money or you're losing purchasing power. It's said another way. So again, that 1983 assumption was the real interest rate was about 3%. Interest rates were way higher back then. Inflation was way higher, but the difference between the two basically is where this real interest rate comes from. They're saying it's about 3%. Well, you can go out and you can buy a bond today that adjusts for inflation. It's called a TIPS bond or Treasury Inflation Protected Security. And the yield, the real yield on it today is almost minus 1%. This is like one of the first times in history, Whoa. just in the recent past, that we've had negative real yields. Europe has had it for a while. Um, Japan has had it. You know, it's come to the U.S. too. So there's about a 4% spread there between the 83 assumptions and where we are today. And uh, even though this is a little wonky, just think of it this way. If you could have $100 and I gave you the $100 today or, say, 10 years from now, and in one scenario there was 0% inflation, per year. And the other scenario, there's 4% inflation per year. Now, certainly, we would all like to have the $100 today, you could go do whatever you want with it. But if you're just looking at it from a pure investment standpoint, you know, you can pretty plainly see that that $100 will be less worthy in 10 years at a 4% per year inflation rate, because it's going to buy less goods and services down the road. Uh, whereas if it was 0% inflation, you could buy the same stuff today as you could in 10 years, your purchasing power is the same. So if you're using a higher interest rate to discount these future dollars, then the dollars in the future must be larger to offset that higher rate of inflation. Now, if I sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher, again, just the key thing to remember is that Social Security <laughs> is using outdated assumptions that are actually in your interest for deferring the benefit. If an insurance company used these assumptions, they would become insolvent because it's just not practical. Um, but the government is an insurance company and they can print their own money and they're a bit antiquated and slow to change. So you can use that potential negative to as a positive. So there's three key things I just mentioned about the life expectancy, survivor benefits, as well as the assumptions underpinning Social Security that still make deferral quite a significant benefit for many, many people. So you know, it's really important to consider this, make sure that you get it right. Um, you probably, people that uh, read up on this, or you know, we've even gone over examples before in the podcast where good social security planning you know, literally can add six figures to, to your plan over time. So the larger your benefit, the more that you earned over time, the more you paid in, the more potentially impactful this sort of information is. <laughs> all right it's gonna be i know that's you Walt. it's gonna be in my head all day now <laughs> I, I i didn't have fast enough fingers to pull up a youtube clip of uh, charlie brown's teacher so that'll have to, <laughs> that'll have to suffice all right so the planning implications good breakdown of uh of, of social security and those three problems so what, what else does it depend on our age kind of how we should start reacting or implementing social security into our plans um, you know, I would say the closer, the way I think about it is, you know, some, if we start working with somebody who's 55 and getting serious about the retirement planning, I don't think it, it matters so much just yet to go ahead and, and dive into the details of social security claiming. Certainly we need to make an assumption. You know, if I just take a step back for a moment, 
you think about the planning process, you know, what we call our retire smarter solution. I, I discussed in episode 45, you know, step one is, is really kind of visualizing what retirement's going to be, you know, looking at these uh, financial assets that you already accumulated that you're still contributing to projecting them forward, you know, looking at, you know, some projected social security benefits, pension benefits, if applicable, evaluate what kind of sustainable spending that you have. So that's, you know, we're picking up Social Security there. Now, as you get closer to actually claiming and in retirement, modeling the Social Security strategy that you're likely to take becomes much more important. Some of what some of it is time dependent. Um, and what I mean by that is today with interest rates near zero, well, you know, by proxy, what you can expect from most bond returns is also you know, close to zero. It's just very low. Um, so Social Security, sometimes people will look at it as, uh, hey, uh, the deferral is more of kind of a, you know, I have to live so long. Um, it's I, I kind of frame it as an insurance benefit in a sense, because if you live too long, it's going to keep paying and paying at this higher rate because you did defer it. It's going to increase with the cost of living adjustment every year. It's almost like a built-in insurance plan to a certain degree. Um, some people think of it as from an investment standpoint. So I would say from an investment standpoint, you know, you're going to have an opportunity cost to using your own money, taking it out of your account if you're deferring Social Security to go ahead and meet your retirement income objectives and 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 meet your lifestyle goals. So with bonds near zero, in many parts of the stock market, both uh, predominantly in the domestic U.S. market being pretty expensive, that means you can expect fairly low returns moving forward. So your opportunity cost for using your money and um, deferring Social Security is not that great today. Um, so I think that's that's important to know. That's also situationally independent. You know, when we were going through COVID in March last year, I mean, we were running those fire drills about all the different things that we needed to execute. And for anybody that was uh, doing Social Security deferral, well, we were relooking at that because the market had sold off by a third. This was before it bounced back, and you know, we had no foresight to what was going to happen or if it was going to get worse. But we did know that you know the way that the markets work, um, they they tend to oversell. They you know, went on sale, they discount, and then the forward-looking returns look a lot more favorable. Now, you're never going to be able to really kind of time it, um, but the returns for the market were higher. So we were considering for clients that were using a Social Security deferral strategy, maybe we need to rethink that. So my point in sharing that is it is really situationally dependent. Today, the opportunity cost is very low for deferral. If the market sold off a lot and now the opportunity cost becomes a lot more, well, then you have to recompute the math. So many moving parts to try and figure out there. And so I know that a lot of people have additional questions about this kind of stuff. Kevin, do you have any additional resources or directions you can point people in to learn a little bit more about the implications of all this and just uh, where we're going? You know, I would say a couple of things. Um, I think this is probably the third or fourth Social Security episode that we've done. So, you know, if you want to learn more, that's probably a, a good place to to listen. Um, and sometimes, I mean, Ken, I don't know if you ever had this experience, Walt, but even just kind of re-listening to something, a lot of times I'll get some new information out of it. Maybe I didn't get it all the first time through. So if you're really interested, that's maybe not a bad place to start. Uh, if you have questions, I mean, we're certainly here. We're happy to help. You know, Social Security, just like most things, financial should not be done in a vacuum. It really needs to be done in the context of everything else that you have. It's kind of the domino effect. 
the whole retirement plan goes together. So while we're happy to answer a question uh, about Social Security, if you reach out to us, you know, the answer may be it depends and it depends on the other things that you have going on, too. So we're here to help. We're certainly happy to help. Um, well, I know you always mention that, hey, we have to contact us. You know, are we right for you uh, on our website, uh, truewealthdesign.com? That's a great way to reach out and we're always happy to help. Again, that's the way to get in touch with Kevin Krosky and the True Wealth Design team. You can go to truewealthdesign.com, click that Are We Right For You button, or you can call 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-TWD-PLAN, and get in touch via the phone if you prefer that method. Well, Kevin, thank you for the help on today's program. We've got a really good episode coming up next time on the show we're going to be talking about taxes and uh, Biden's American Families Tax Plan, some details and information about that. Kevin, I can't wait for your breakdown on uh, one of the bigger pieces of news over the course of this 2021. I know a lot of eyeballs and ears have been listening out and, and watching for information on that. So can't wait to get your perspective on that. And we'll do that next time here on Retire Smarter. Until then, Kevin, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Walter. We'll talk to you soon. And for Kevin Kroski, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's show here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.